still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in Sound United Studios in beautiful downtown Warren. I'm with a very honored guest. I, I think I say that to all of all of these, don't I? I think so. But really, he is a, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for a number of years now. I pestered him silly to get on a local board. He was kind enough to help me with that. I'm here with the owner of Artistics Silk Screening, Mr. Tim Drummond. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've had plenty of conversations, so now we get to record it. Yes. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> that's all right. Now, remember, it's G, but if you slip up, we'll edit it out. Don't worry. So we'll go ahead and get started. You own Artistic Silk Screening downtown. What's the address? Uh, 179 West Market Street. I have I messed up. So um, I always ask everyone the same question if they're a local and you're a local guy. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? And I want to get a little bit of your history. Where were you born and where'd you, what schools did you attend? Uh, I was born in Warren, Ohio. Uh, I went through uh, Warren City Schools uh, all the way up to seventh grade, or I'm sorry, sixth grade. And then uh, my parents shipped me to Catholic schools for two years. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was very, that was, that was one of the hardest transitions I've ever had to go through in life. But uh I went to Catholic school, St. Mary's here in Warren for two years, and then we moved, uh, and I actually went through high school uh, out at Matthews High School, uh, and then I graduated there, and then shortly that after that, I moved back into the city of Warren, pretty much been here the rest of that time. Shortly after you graduated high school, you moved back? Yeah. Yeah. I went... Uh, I think I was. I think I moved back when I was 21, 22, somewhere around there, so... When so after high school, what'd you do? You, did you go to college? Uh, I tried. Uh, I realized it wasn't for me. Um, went to YSU for a minute, and then uh, I got. I wanted to go to uh, art school, and I actually went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. I uh, went there for a couple semesters. I was paying for it out of my pocket, and it was a private school, so it was a little bit pricey. Um, so I and I was commuting. Uh, I went from here to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I would do wow. two days a week there, and I would, I think it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays. I would go there and spend the whole, whole, whole day in Pittsburgh in class, and then drive home. But uh, I worked as a security guard at the time, and it was actually one of the best jobs to go to school at because I literally had to watch a door, and instead of do, watching the door, I guess I could do my homework. <laughs> so it was kind of nice, but the commute and the expense. What is what got me basically, and uh, so I ended up not finishing out that career there. But uh, I worked on a couple odd and end jobs here and there, and then uh, I was actually fortunate enough to I uh, was a, when I was a security guard, I was actually a security guard at General Motors for a, a contract company, and uh, a gentleman put my name in the lottery. Uh, he didn't have anybody to put in the lottery. Uh, they have like a lottery pool in there. So he threw my name in the hat, and it actually got drawn. And then uh, that was in 2000. And then in 2002, I got hired out there. And I worked all the way. I worked on the line out there for eight eight years, almost eight and a half years, somewhere on there. And then uh, the company was when we were, they were going bankrupt, and uh, they laid everybody off. Um, 
at the time, you know, single, no kids, no nothing like that. And it was, it wasn't me. Um, I, I don't, I don't sit well. So being tied to the line like that was really hard for me. Um, so, uh, I got the bright idea of starting my own business and started artistics and never looked back. When you said 2000, you went year two, I'm thinking that wasn't that long ago. And then I realized it's 2020. 20 <laughs> And yeah. You were there eight years. I'm calculating my head. Oh yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, the the two thousands are like a blur. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, just because like so much stuff was happening for me personally, like a lot of big you know life changes and stuff like that uh, went from a you know from a uh, an eight dollar an hour job to a twenty eight dollar an hour job, and then went from a twenty eight dollar an hour job to a job that makes no money because I started my you know business and it was you know when you first start out they you know they take forever to get started you know first three or four years five years maybe even can't remember but uh they were they were they were rough i probably was talking about when you were at gm no when i was at we're starting artistics so it went from like i said eight eight dollars to 28 to to nothing you know starting artistics basically just making enough money to pay my bills and to invest in back into the business but i said i would have never have taken that chance had had I probably had kids and you know family to to look at, it was literally just me, so uh, it was a lot easier of a decision, kind of do a lot, a lot easier of a, a thing to. I could I could struggle and be okay. So, but you only had yourself to feed. Yeah, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah I ate, ate a lot of uh, you know craft macaroni and cheese and stuff like that. Ninety nine cent <laughs> spaghetti, <laughs> lots of spaghetti. So. <laughs> So you start when you were working at GM. Uh, were some of the uh, would were the ideas of what you wanted to do? Were you floating these ideas before uh, GM was restructuring? Uh, when you're tied to a to the line, um, I don't know if you've ever worked a, a very monotonous job. No, but, but your 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 mind can go off and go far, far, far away. And you can literally do these jobs. Once you can do them enough, you can literally do them in your sleep. But, you know, you can you could literally zone out and just, you know, go on a thinking, uh, you know, spree. And I would do that a lot, obviously, and just, uh, you know, and I thought, you know, it'd be nice to do this, it'd be nice to do that. And, and I had no zero business knowledge, zero. Like, uh, I never took a business class. I never, I should have. And I probably should have did that first before I did what I did, but you know, it is what it is. But because uh, I I kind of set myself back a lot, not knowing some of the stuff I should have known, and I learned a lot later in in the career or life or whatever. But uh, being a little bit business savvy would have probably helped me advance faster and maybe a little bit further in the beginning stages. So. But uh, you just just want like let my mind wander on the, while I'm working and um, you know come across all different kinds of ideas. I was uh, a musician as well, uh, and I did some screen printing in high school as an art project, and uh, so I knew how to do it a little bit. Um, when I did it in high school, it was done a different way. We would have to use a, an exacto knife and cut out the designs. Uh, it's not done like that anymore. But uh, it's a little harder to do that way. But uh, so when I was playing some music, um, I started printing my own T-shirts, basically, and then uh, selling them for merch and whatnot. And 
basically a couple other bands. Oh, where'd you get your stuff done? I did it myself kind of thing. And then, will you do mine for me? Sure, no problem. You know what I mean? And then it just started to snowball there. And then, you know, I started getting, you know, little jobs here, little jobs there. And then I said, there might be something into this. So that's where I kind of stuck with that one and kept with the screen printing part of it. So GM is going bankrupt. Did they offer you a buyout or did you... How did your transition out of GM goes? I guess is the question. Yeah, they they offered a buyout. Um, they had for a different amount of years of service. It was different amount of uh, you know payout. I guess you could say. So I was pretty fortunate to get paid to quit my job. I don't think anybody's really offered that too much. Uh, so I took advantage of it. Were you uh, that bad? They're like, dude, I'll give you money. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it, but. Uh, I, I took advantage of that. Like I said, I wasn't happy. I, I wasn't sure about the status of the company. Um, uh, you know, we live in a, a steel mill town. Uh, I've seen, we've all seen and heard the horror stories <clears throat> about factories closing up, leaving people high and dry. So I kind of was say, thinking, you know, like, again, I'm on my own, no one else to worry about. Maybe I can, you know, control my own fate here a little bit, my own future. Uh, and if I go ahead and do this now, you know, maybe it'll be, it won't be so bad. Uh, so I took the money and, you know, started the business and actually didn't buy a whole lot of equipment and stuff like that with the money that I had gotten. And to be honest with you, it wasn't all that much either. Cause after uncle Sam got into it, uh, being single, no dependents, he got he got he a got lot you, of it. He? He got a lot. <laughs> and if I would have known how much taxes would have taken been taken out, I may have not have made that decision. But like I said, some of the things I didn't think through a lot of them in the beginning stages. I just shot from the hip and went with it, you know. And uh, but yeah, I started and I used that money basically to to survive. And uh, basically, you know, the money I was making off of my jobs is what I was, you know, putting back into the business and stuff. So. But uh, like I said, I had to make that little bit of money last a lot of a couple of years, quite quite a bit of years. So, what year did you uh, open up your shop? Uh, two thousand nine. At the location you're at now? No, so it wasn't far down the street. We were down the street more more. We were on East Market, uh, just a couple blocks down the road. Uh, I started. I think I don't know if you're familiar with the buildings, but it was the old Kling and Smith Bakery building. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we were next door to that. Okay. Um, and then we were there, we were only there for six months. And then uh, I moved downtown here on the square. And then actually it was, we were at 169 when we moved downtown here. And then uh, the building that we're in now came up for sale uh, about six years ago. And then we ended up purchasing the building and then moved two doors down and been, been there ever since. So you, you decide to start this T-shirt silk screening business. And then shortly thereafter, you buy a building in, in of which you run your business out of. Correct. So, what was going through your head? Uh, I basically was trying to set myself up for the future, I guess. Uh, like I said... I knew that I wouldn't have a retirement. I knew I wouldn't have, you know, all this, these benefits and stuff like that. So I had to get started on it and I had to get started on it quick. I learned that giving money away to renting 
was was tough. I, 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 I it was nice to rent, but then again, it's like, well, for only a couple hundred dollars more, I could buy, and you know, and that's what ended up finding out. And I feel like a cat because I, I, I made a lot of gambles, and I, I landed on my feet a lot. Cat has cats have nine lives. Though. Yes, yes, and and I mean, I've had some, you know, where I didn't land on my feet, but like purchasing the building was a good move you know i mean a couple leaving gm was a good move because you know just recently they closed and moved ship shipped everybody out of here and i mean so that was a hard pill to swallow yeah that was a tough day slash exciting day for me because you know for the last 10 years i always wondered did i make that right choice yeah and you know but that you know did i screw up and should have just uh stayed there but I try not to look at look back on those decisions, and that was the one advice my one friend gave me was, whatever decision you make, just don't look back. Don't don't look back. And I kind of went with that and stuck with it. And so all these decisions I was making were, you know, you always hope that they're the best decision. You never know, but you never know until you try. Right. So, uh, so but purchasing the building, it seems like a lot, but. When you actually do something like that, it's not that bad. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks when it's, you know, something's happening, the basements are flooding or whatever, or the heater is not That's working. That's a subject. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, so when, when you have to be responsible for, you know, some of that stuff, that, that's the downsides of it. But, uh, the upsides of it are, you know, uh, it's an investment. Uh, I'm putting it all the money back into the business. And I, I kind of maybe done that too much. I was putting a lot of money back into the business. Um, just so I could, you know, hopefully my, my game, my goal was to profit more in, in the end part of it. You know, uh, I don't know if that was a good decision or not, but, uh, but like I said, I put a lot back into the business in the very, very, very beginning stages and, you know, then started to, you know, kind of pay myself. Finally, You don't want to, you definitely don't want to Monday morning quarterback yourself. With that being said though, you got to look back and say, was this a good decision or a bad decision? That way, you know, if not to make the bad decision again. Yeah, yeah. You got to learn from those mistakes for sure. Um, that's the one thing. The School of Hard Knocks is is a great school to go to, but it, you know it you can, pay one way or another. Yeah, you can you can you can only go <laughs> money or hard knocks, man. Bloody knuckles yes. or money, <laughs> either way. So you you gotta you gotta learn, but you gotta hopefully hopefully you learn because you know sometimes making mistakes and is the best way to learn. Um, and like I said, I've made them, you know, I've had some equipment that I thought was going to be, uh, great and, and it's not, so it doesn't, it doesn't fit us very well. And, and, you know, and it was an expensive piece of equipment, but it just doesn't fit what we do. So there's certain things, you know, uh, those are, that's one of the things I didn't land on my feet with, but, uh, like yeah, you don't know until you try exactly. it. It could have worked out yep. and have been fine. Yep. And it still might, I still have it. So yeah. down the road, it might work. So your business is up and running, um, not too long ago, you had a bit of an accident in there. Yes. I want to talk about that because I like hearing the story of any of the business owners who started their business, why they started it or how they came to the decision and their trials and tribulations, their successes and their failures. I wouldn't necessarily say failures per se, but again, you make mistakes, but you don't know if it's going to be a mistake until you try. Mm-hmm. You know, My, I had a good friend of mine. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but... Uh, a good friend of mine, he he would always say, he goes, you can't hit the home run unless you step up to the plate. You yeah. still got to swing. So a uh, little bit of the tribulations. 
Uh, you recently had a fire, correct, in your in your building. Yes. Um, when was that? And I, I'm trying to remember how the market was doing at the time, the timing of that, all everything. Kind of share that story of what that was like when it happened, how you got through it, and where you're kind of at now with that. So the fire was in 2017. We could probably do a whole podcast on the ups and downs of that whole situation. That was one of the hardest things, like I said that earlier, was that was another hard thing I had to endure and go through. So I get a phone call just to give, make the long story short. I'll try to do that. Uh, I got we got plenty of time. Okay. So if you want to interject some detail, <laughs> yeah. that, that's fine. I, I here we go. It was a it was a calm night. <laughs> and the storm, the wind, she was <laughs> yeah. angry, or the the water, she was angry. It was summertime. <laughs> I remember that because that's what it was rough. So to give you a real quick. Uh, how my business flows really is we make a lot, we make most of our money, you know, in the summer months. Um, and then we, you know, we're pretty slow in the winter months. So we, we can make enough money during the summer months to kind of ride out the winter months. And then we pick up, you know, again, come spring and then, you know, back just like a vicious cycle right there. Uh, but the fire, it happened, uh, I think it was July, it was like July 5th or 6th or something like that, roughly. But anyways, uh, I just had a baby. She was three months old. I get a phone call from a friend. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I look at it, and I hit the ignore button. <laughs> we, all, we all do yeah. that. Especially at 10 or 11 right. o'clock at night with a three-month-old three baby. Yeah. It's probably even have the ringer on. <laughs> but I uh, hit the ignore button, and then I he calls right back. I pick up the phone. He said, "Hey, man, uh, there's fire trucks heading to your to your building downtown." I said, "Oh, so okay." So I hop in my car. I drive downtown here, and uh, there's a, a line of fire trucks in the alley. And I walk in, and it was kind of funny looking back now, three years later, whatever. But uh, I walk into the back of the building, and all the fire departments there. There's hoses ready to go, charged, ready to go, and there's a fireman with an axe trying to he had a, he had a back like he was ready to swing and he was ready to chop through the wall and he said isn't that wall brick not that and he, we were inside oh okay so he uh he was he had he had a, in the swinging position ready to go through and they were saying the fire is on this side of the wall and like i said he was cocked back like ready to chop chop his way through the wall but and i said there's a door right here and uh <laughs> so i opened the door and oh and, and as soon as I hit the door with the lock, uh, I cracked it. And I don't know why. Wasn't there like a movie called Backdraft? You're not supposed yeah. to do that. Or yeah, whatever, right. But I actually did it and nothing happened. But as soon as I cracked the door, the heat and the smoke came out. And I was like, oh, I'll, uh. I'll leave this up to you guys. Yes. So <laughs> I stepped back and, and they did their job. Uh, it, they I stepped back. They went in, you know, brought the hoses in. They sprayed everything down. And uh, how'd they get in? I let him like. Oh, uh, you yeah. You met yeah, them there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they, I was sitting in the back alley, and then uh, just waiting for him to come out. And I think it was the captain or somebody, whoever was in charge, come walking in, and they said they had it out, and they uh, brought me to the area, and they said, "What was here?" And I said, "I don't know," and uh, it was like they're like, "Whatever was here is where the fire started," and it took me a minute to, you know, gain my bearings. What the heck was going on? And it was uh they basically 
being a firefighter, putting on a firefighter is not a finesse job. Um, they got to do what they got to do. Uh, they, they poked holes in the ceilings. They pushed stuff out of the way. They knocked stuff over. They sprayed everything down. I mean, it was, it was a disaster inside there. Um, uh, so much water and smoke damage. The fire itself wasn't all that bad. It was just a lot of smoke damage and a ton of water damage. And like I said, it's not a finesse job. They did a great job and they put it out and it didn't spread, you know, hardly anywhere. So, but uh, when they left, they left. And they I didn't was, clean up. I'm just kidding. As <laughs> <laughs> I asked them, I've never experienced. I'm like, do I owe you guys anything? Is this? I don't know. Do I? You're gonna send me a bill for this? But. Uh, like said, your taxes. A lot of this stuff, I don't, you know, you don't go through this. You don't, I never went through a fire before. So, uh, but, uh, so yeah, they left it, you know, it's, it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm standing in the middle of my shop and the lights are flickering and it's soaking wet and it smells like smoke and I'm standing in a puddle and I seem just gone. You know what I mean? Everything's just, just ransacked, gone. And, uh, we didn't have to like board up or anything like that. They didn't have to break in or anything. So I basically had to go home and try to, you know, take all this in and what do we do? And you know, get up and you call the insurance company. And that was a lesson I had to learn. Uh, so when I in, was, I was, I was insured and the insurance company did take care of some stuff, but I was overinsured in certain stuff on certain stuff and under insured and other areas so i had way too much insurance on like computers and stuff like which i don't have a ton of computers and i didn't have enough insurance on you know physical belongings and stuff like that so uh i learned that lesson so you know and always update your insurance too that was another lesson i, I would i would buy equipment and not call you know i didn't just didn't know and not call the insurance company and say, hey, I, I, I might need more coverage now because you know, I was buying equipment. It makes sense. Like I said, it's looking back, it's like you're an idiot. Why didn't you do this stuff? But you don't you don't know. You don't think you're right. busy. I mean, you got a lot of things going on. So. So. But uh, yeah, that, that's a good. I always try to tell people when they're starting businesses is make sure you're insured properly because you never know because you never know when you might need it. But uh, so that was during the summer months. Um, and then, so that's when, those are our money-making months, so we had to stay open. Um, I rented another location, uh, and I printed out of that location only. Uh, and I did that purposely because I didn't want people to think I moved or closed. So I kept the shop where it was at, obviously. And I would meet people for pickups and deliveries at the shop, at the shop that we are at now, like the one that caught on fire. And I would print at the like hidden location, and then I would literally do all the phone calls and you know emails and talking to customers in my dining room. And I thought I was extremely busy. I was like, okay, we're not we're not missing a beat because I was running all over town literally. But then come tax time and we did our you know profits and loss statements and stuff, we went down money wise probably half but i i felt like we were at the same but i was running around town all the time i was back to the house back to the shop back to the new shop back to the old shop back it just so i always felt like i was busy but i actually wasn't because of what was going on so we were out of our location for 9 months 
roughly, which was a lot longer than I was expected to be out for. But we got back in and, uh, you know, it was like starting over again. And that was tough because, uh, you know, that was, we were, we were, we were moving pretty good. We were working real well. We had good staff, good crew. And, uh, you know, we had to basically start from scratch again and start over. It felt like, so then we did that and, you know, then get to the current day and all this stuff goes on again. So past few years have been rough. Yeah, it's been not <laughs> these grays have been definitely earned in many ways, but uh, well, you still have hair, so yeah, <laughs> you're ahead of me, brother. <laughs> yeah. So you get through this, and then a year later or so, then this little Corona thing comes along. And yes, throws it throws you a curveball. Yes, and uh, it and we got we got hit on this one really hard too. Uh, Again, coming out of our slow season, uh, I literally sit, make enough money to work for the year. And uh, basically, we were coming out of our slow season just like normally. And I had, you know, enough money to come out and, you know, March hit. We started getting orders just like it does every year. We, we budget enough savings to make it through to, to March because that's about when we start to pick up is in March. Uh, April sometimes, uh, but uh, we had enough money to make it through March. And the virus was—I knew about the virus, but I didn't know about the virus. And no one knew and what it, was going to happen. And like it came on so quick. Yeah. Like uh, I mean, I heard about it on over in China. They're having a virus, and next thing you know, you know, they're they're closing the schools. And then it's like, oh, that's you know, twenty-five percent of my business comes from the schools. And I'm thinking, okay, I can I can. I can survive. I can survive off of seventy-five percent of the businesses. I can. I can still do this. And then they come back and they say, all main events, and big gatherings are canceled. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's another twenty-five percent of my business that I print for. So I'm like, not fifty percent. That's a little little <laughs> stretch. That's going to be tough. And then they come out and they say, you know, all the all bars and restaurants are closed. And that's another 25% of my business. Those numbers aren't exact, but right. just to give you an example, I'm like, that's another another 25% of my businesses that I print for. So that leaves me with a 25% and, you know, other small businesses, construction companies, stuff like that, landscapers. And I had a whole bunch of orders come up, come March and then they all canceled. Uh, I had a few stick, stick through and, uh, they, uh, they said, go ahead and run it. And I said, okay. And uh, so we ran them, and then then they basically shut down all non-essential businesses, which basically was us. Where, I mean, I could have printed probably, but to be honest with you, we had nothing to print. So yeah. nothing was open, nothing was nothing was calling, nothing. So uh, and it happened so fast, uh, weeks. So it was more devastating than a fire by far. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it's, it's, we're definitely not even out of it. We're still not even up a hundred percent. Uh, you know, the world's not open yet a hundred percent. So a lot of people aren't making it through this stuff. So the future of how we make this out of the, we're, we're still playing this part out. So, I mean, uh, I, I was a little nervous about this interview cause I didn't know, if it was going to be a lot about the pandemic and stuff and in, in, in the future of us. And to be honest with you, I I was like, 
I'm thinking I'm going to probably say, I don't know to every question that he's going to ask me because <laughs> I literally yeah. don't know what's going on. And, you know, every day is a different day. Uh, and every day is, you know, changes and you're, you're constantly, you know, flip flopping. You, you, can, you, can, you can't get a game plan going. I can't at least. I'm, I mean, once I get a game plan, something happens and, or something, this happens. So, you have a lot of people who obviously were affected by it and they got laid off and were let go. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, they're going through the same thing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, at least, you know, for you, you have a business, which is doubly difficult mm-hmm. because you have a business. You have a lot more invested than oh, I just punch a clock and go home yeah. and I can go find another punch a clock and go home job. I mean, which we all can do if the things don't work out on the business side for you. But that's not ideally where you want to be well i mean the rug got taken out from me pretty fast pretty hard uh you know i'm pretty open about some of this stuff because you know it is what it is but uh you know i was the sole provider for our family financially and you know for being a small business and uh, you know having to stay at home mom with our two kids you know to me that was like that's the american dream you know what I mean? yeah right have that and then that got taken away from us rather fast. And uh, so having a business with no money coming in and stuff like that and, you know, the pandemic part, that's the thing is there's, you know, you got the pandemic part, the actual disease part or whatever, the virus part, and then you got the actual economic part of it. So there's a lot of struggles, you know, to deal with. Uh, but the, if we're just gonna talk the economic part of it, um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, my fiance, she, she, she stepped up and she, she went out and got a job and we, we literally switched roles. You know, she went from stay at home mom to provider of the house, financial provider of the house. Uh, and, uh, I became, you know, stay at home dad. And, uh, that part has been amazing and hard. Uh, the amazing part of it is that I get to spend a ton of time with my kids, which I never really didn't get to do a ton. And I'm seeing them grow and I get to, you know, our our youngest went to the bathroom on the on the toilet and I got to be a part of that right. part. Of, you know, I That's missed great. the first one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but the, this one, this the, the second one, she, you know, she used the, the toilet and I got to, you know, do that part. So there's a ton of silver linings with the kids and stuff that, you know, gets me through this and all that. But like I said earlier, I don't sit well. I'm a, I'm a doer. I have to physically do stuff, and that's how I am. And I'm only able to, you know, get household stuff taken care of. I can't. It's it's been it's been a struggle getting you know household and then work too. Um, a lot of people have been extremely patient and passionate or uh, understanding about a lot of the stuff that's going on. Cause I believe everybody's going through it, but, uh, so, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some, there's, there's, there's some real frustrating times that I'm, it, you know, like I said, it happens so fast that yeah, I'm not used to this. Now I'm going to real quick, just take a step back to the fire, just because I want to mm-hmm. paint a little bit of a picture of how things are set up. All the buildings in downtown are connected. There's no space or at least on the square there, they're all connected. So if that's fire spreads, the whole thing could go yeah, up. Now yeah. it is brick, but still, you know, it's not 1920 Chicago where everything was made of wood or whatever <laughs> year that fire hit Chicago. 
So they definitely wanted to get that under control quick. And then the cool thing about your shop, though, is you got that front section that's partitioned off from the back where you do all your work. Mm-hmm. So you can customers can still come in there because the fire didn't really affect that front section, correct? Correct, yes. So they can still come in, you can do orders and that type of thing, but the back is where you took the brunt of it. Yes. But you got it back up and going, and then you and Mallory switch role, switch roles, and uh, she's working during the day, now you're open at night because the, the feeling if someone's listening to this um, may think you're not open anymore. But you're Correct. still you're still open and taking orders in that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's like again, it's a day by day kind of thing. Uh, our storefront is not open yet. Uh, we don't have the uh, volume quite yet to, to bring the staff back to have the front doors open during the day. Uh, so uh, if anything happens, it's usually after you know hours, and uh, I can uh, become know, a vampire. Yes. Working at night. Yeah. The second shift used to be the shift. Back when you were it's quiet, running and yeah, drinking and <laughs> boozing and <laughs> yeah. but now when, young and single, yes, yeah. Now, now when you're uh, old with kids, oh, I can. I'm like nine o'clock hits. I'm I'm fighting over here. Man. I'm taking a nap at seven p.m. to go to bed at nine. <laughs> and if I drink a coffee, I'm I'm really screwed. Yeah, but uh, so the business is still up and going, or yeah. still going, and you're still vibing. The 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 one thing I want to bring out too is. When you own your own business, and I, I talked to uh, Greg Bartholomew at All-American Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I did a show. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned it with him or someone else, but I mentioned that when you talk to the average person, a lot of times they, well, you own your own business, they might think you're rich. Mm-hmm. Like you just got this money laying around in secret stashes and you got your <laughs> offshore accounts and all that. And it's just not true. I mean, you're a small business owner. Okay. And- you have to watch every penny and you roll the dice. Sometimes you just have to roll the dice. Yeah. Sometimes it comes up sevens. Sometimes it come up snake eyes and you just, you, that's it. And when you work for somebody, which there's nothing wrong with that, you don't worry about those things. You punch a clock and go home. Yeah. And for you and myself, that's not what we really want to do. And if there's a teenager or a young adult who's contemplating starting a business I want them to hear these podcasts and gain some knowledge from people like you who said, listen, you're going to make bad decisions, but you don't realize they're bad till you realize they're bad mm-hmm. and just keep going. Just keep, And that's, that's kind of where you're at now. Just, you know, you're, you're keeping on, keeping on, so yeah. to speak. If you, if I have any advice to tell someone younger who's maybe go work for a, a, a small business before you open a small business. That's probably because good idea. You know, working for a Fortune 500 company or you know a, a big big box store kind of company, like you said, you can you punch in, punch out, punch in, punch out. You know, you know they have millions of dollars of back back. You know, if something happens, it's not a big deal. I mean, right. Uh, but when you wor- work or you know own or you know do a small business, uh, every little cent counts. Um, and we've had some issues with you know. And as being as a as an owner, or you know, too. I mean, we have people we've had you know mistaken uh, shirts that were printed wrong, and I'm not gonna lie, some of them have been you know a thousand dollar order. And as a business, you gotta you know you gotta redo that, and you gotta eat that, and uh, it's very hard to reprimand somebody you know 
uh, and that's that's one of the challenging parts of you know the, at least the screen printing part of it. It's 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 almost like a trade, like a skill trade of some sort, because you do have to understand it and learn it and and know. I mean, you could you know got to set the screens up correctly, then you got to put the shirts on correctly or the garments on correctly to keep everything you know straight. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of variables in, in screen printing, and so it takes quite a, a little bit of time to learn it and master it. Uh, so it's not a job that you can easily hire somebody and just say, here you go. Uh, so when you do hire somebody, you know, you're investing a ton of time. Uh, you know that there's going to be mistakes made because that's, you know, just human nature. But it's really hard to, you know, punch somebody, you know, when, when they screw something up because you got to do it. You got to pay for it to get it fixed. And then you have to pay them to do it again. So you really hope it's a double whammy. Exactly. So that's a, there's a lot of things that people don't understand owning a business does when you, uh, you know, there's a, the little, little things can hurt bad, you know? Uh, so there's, uh, like I said, it's, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of little things that can happen. That can so really if you could, let's talk about a, a ideal customer first. What do you like good news or bad news first? Uh, what do you like to do first? If someone matter. says, I got good news and bad news, which do you want to hear first? Uh, let's start with the bad news. Okay. So let's get a customer who isn't, I don't want to say necessarily ideal, but let's just, for the lack of a better term, say it's not ideal. What What do you want to tell a potential customer before they come into your shop? What do you want? What were a couple, two, three points that you would like for them to know before uh, they come into your store? Hmm. Uh, so I've always wanted to have an open house and I want to invite people in to sh- see how this works because when, and, uh, I've got, I've had customers come in and they, Oh, this is how this is done. And they actually see that it's, you know, it's, t- it's a time process and, you know, sweat. There's, there's a lot of work involved with screen printing. Um, when they physically see how things are, are done, they they understand it a lot better i get a ton of phone calls and and emails and stuff and there's so much and i hate to say this it sounds like i don't want to try not to sound rude but there's it's really i would i'm trying to find out the best way to educate the customer to make my job easier and their product look better um because with today's technology a lot of customers think it's literally a drag and drop process, but it's not even close to that now. And then the artwork that they'll send us, they'll screenshot it from their cell phone off of Facebook and then text it to me. And they want me to blow that up and put it on a t-shirt. And, you know, it doesn't work like that. No. I mean, when you blow it up, it, it's pixelated. It looks like Minecraft, you know, <laughs> so, and it, people are cheap sometimes. And like I said, I'm trying not to sound rude or disrespectful, but you know, there's a lot of hours involved in artwork to make it, you know, clear and print friendly and stuff like that. Uh, there's graphic designers out there that, you know, I feel bad for because everybody just thinks it's a couple clicks of a mouse and that their their photo is completely fixed. There's, I mean, graphic designing is is, is extremely hard. It's also very tedious. Yeah, and yeah. and a lot of the people make it look easy because yeah. that's what they do and they're good at it. So, uh, and there's a lot of people that think they are graphic designers. Um, uh, but we have to have it a certain resolution, uh, which, you know, brings it to like, you know, a clarity of where we know that is, you know, 
and uh, it has to be vectorized and you say vectorized to the normal joe and they have no clue what you're talking about right so i mean artwork would be you know one way i would like to teach you know customers and understand customers and uh, we try to be as quick as possible and actually sometimes we're too quick um, and that that hurts us because today's world is now 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 and everything was due yesterday and we're always you know under the light trying to you know and we're always the last to uh to to uh someone's planning an event they're like oh we forgot to order t-shirts yeah they want it tomorrow exactly so i mean you know it's hard you know this is when you have a business it's hard to turn money away sometimes you know what i mean but uh especially after your shop burns up. yeah <laughs> so over the years i've kind of you know learned you know try to educate people as much as possible and you have to put your foot down uh it's 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 hard to do but you have to learn how to say no and every year that's my new year's resolution is learning how to say no uh and every year it gets a little better but uh because to be honest with you i end up working a ton for nothing yeah and uh and it gets hard to do that over over time after time but uh but like I said, those are the those are the customers that I would love to educate and have everybody come in and and uh, you know show them some examples. I had I was I was planning for something like this, like a, an open house. Uh, I've had stuff brought in on napkins, uh, you know, brought in on you know business cards and you name it. Uh, like I said, text screenshotted and texted to me, and those are some good examples of bad what not to do yes exactly and like so, i said and some people get it yeah. and then then when i say hey there's going to be extra art fees well what do you mean there's going to be extra art fees well that's, i gotta spend three hours re- redoing this thing yeah you know and so so like i said there there that could be one of the things i'd love to educate people on and so the uh, ideally you want a customer who has an artwork together yes in a proper format yes and after that it's Relatively simple, right? You pick the color, give me some color time. shirts, and you know, obviously, you yeah, have to have some time to do the work. <laughs> yeah, but the artwork is the big thing. So don't text a picture of Nana that you want put on a shirt. It's yes. not going to work very yes. well. We yeah. need, you know, so you got to find a graphic artist. Now you can do that, but it's going to cost because it takes time. Yes. Yeah. So that's something else to keep in mind when you do it. And so, sometimes I don't have the time to do that. You yeah. Know what I mean, because I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, some, so we do have graphic designers that we've reached out to and every one of them has their own set price. Uh, and it's not a bill from us. It's a bill from them. So, you know, you work it out with them. Yeah. And then sometimes I hear back from them, sometimes I don't. So, I mean, but it, it, it's, it's, it's helped weed out some of that stuff. So, I said, without sounding, you know, rude no, you're or just speaking it's just, yeah. the facts of yeah. what you need to, to better serve your customer. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's other, you know, print, printers around here and there's other, you know, do it at home machines and stuff. And, you know that even those uh, the the do it at home machines, you know that's taken a big chunk out of our business too. You know, uh, but uh, you know we 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 try we try to you know be you know consistent, you know quality, you know. So that's that's how we we're going to keep you at our shop. You know, let's talk a little bit about Warren, Ohio. I had a good conversation with someone recently about Warren, Ohio. You know, I'm I'm a homer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I. Uh, when you see the potential in someone, a kid, as an example, 
And you see they're just not living up to that potential. They're smart or and or athletic or whatever the case may be, talented in music or art or whatever, and they're just blowing it, just blah. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel like the whole city is. Yeah. I You know, if we look back at our history, we've had amazing, and I should probably do a show just on that alone. Um, the amount of talent that has come from this little steel manufacturing town has been f- amazing. Mm-hmm. And the past 40, when the mill shut down, it was just devastating. We all know that. I and mean, it just wasn't just us, you know, the Rust Belt's the Rust Belt for a reason. But um, we have so much talent here, and we still do. We still do. And, and we just have to um, develop it. But we've run into some problems. Again, I'm not here to bash anybody. I want that to be 100% clear. If you don't address a problem, the problem doesn't get fixed. There's lots of problems. But... Um, what in your experience, well, let's just start with this. Um, this is an interesting tidbit. The basements along West Market Street flooded. Mm-hmm. Why? why? What, you're asking me why? Yes. Well, uh, and these are the, 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 let me paint a better picture because we're not on TV. <laughs> um, all these buildings are connected. So it's one long row of buildings. Yes. So they all have, and they all have basements, I assume, correct? I yes. haven't been in all of them. Yep. So- all of them, all of them flooded, or just certain ones. I know you uh, and a handful portion, of others did. Portions, portion of them. Okay, so yeah. why did why did they flood? Well, uh, let's see here. Basically, when I when we moved when we got downtown here, you know, we I'll, I'll get to the flooding here, but when we moved downtown here in two thousand nine ish, it was a ghost town. You know, there was nothing down here. Yeah. You know few few stores a lot of a lot of attorney buildings uh stuff like that no no you know no shops no nothing like that uh there was like i said a few few of them not many but uh, no restaurants hardly you know saratoga was here they've been here forever but uh so it was kind of a ghost town uh over the years we did see it you know i, I have seen you know it, it start to come out and crawl out and and look good and then go back down and look good and go back down but as far as what they did was they had the alley, the they made it, I can't remember, I think it was right when they painted, made it, dedicated it to Dave Grohl Alley. The sure. alley is, just for everyone to know, is right behind these buildings that we're yeah. talking, right behind your shot in the buildings we're talking about. Yeah, and they, they, if I remember right, it was a while ago, but they just dedicated the alley to make it Dave Grohl Alley. Uh, they We decorated it with art and painted it and made it beautiful, and then they dug it all up. <laughs> and then uh, they took out a pipe, if I remember right. It was, they it being was, the city. Yes, it was a huge pipe taken out of the back underneath the ground. Like I said, I don't know all the details, but from what I visually saw, they took out this pipe, which was a, a drain pipe, and uh, they replaced it with about a maybe a 16-inch pipe. How big was the previous pipe? You could drive a car through it. It was big. Maybe not that big, but big. Uh, How about but, you could ride your quad through it? There you go. They, uh, you could walk through it. But yeah. the, they uh, they replaced it with a significantly smaller pipe. Uh, they tied in some of the roof drains. Some of them they did. Some of them they didn't. I don't know why. There was a bunch of laterals. I assume we're, they were told us. We, they were, we were told there was a bunch of laterals. We're trying to figure out, you know, all that stuff. But uh, to give you an example of these basements never flooding beforehand, 
the the building that we are in it was a law office when we got in there uh and there was actually a law library still down there it was you know very old books and finished basement and carpet and paneling on the walls and there's probably about five offices in that basement and you know there would be nobody that would you know spend the money you know decorating this uh basement up if it flooded it was out of date decorated today but but back in the day (laughs) it's awesome it was great you know i mean they they spent whoever did it spent a ton of money doing this when they turned to this pipe is when we started having problems and it's been a nightmare um that started i don't even know the date when that started that probably started in 2011 12 maybe and did, did, we just had did, another one last year yeah i mean so they they still haven't fixed the problem they've given us dumpsters to clean up that's about it now did they 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 took the drain and had it dump into the river is that correct from what i was told i don't like again that may not be true okay I, they, they, they have a, there's some sort of gate that it was and and i think it was that's where the epa like i said i don't this is i don't know but the epa made them shut that gate off hmm. and told the city to fix your problem fix your fix your thing and uh they gave them two years to do it well i remember it didn't flood for two years straight and i think they were allowing it to dump the EPA was like I said. Mm. I, I don't want to say a, a, for sure, yeah, not for sure, what, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. But they were allowing the stormwater to dump. Well, then it didn't. They had the time ran out or something, and all of a sudden it started flooding again. And so let's let's just get to the bottom line now. The, the basements are flooding, not all the time, but enough, and really nothing's been done to fix it. Nothing. If I can summarize the it's, story. It's, I got a letter in the mail the other day. They had a uh, a meeting, a virtual meeting. They're they're putting it out to bid to try to get it fixed. They got phase, blah blah whatever. I mean, but in the meantime, you're getting damage, and you're gonna you you have either you fix it or you claim it on your insurance and get it fixed. You can't and you can't claim. I mean, this it's happened so many times. I can I can't claim it on insurance because mm. I would be dropped. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's okay. I, I so can, imagine if you're a business owner. And I love Warren, but they're they're dropping the ball too much. And you're getting your downtown. Our square is really nice. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it can but it can be better. But it's really nice. And you have all these businesses down there and they're trying to develop it. And we've had some development downtown. Actually, probably the most development I've seen in my lifetime downtown. And but I mean I'm only twenty one, so it hasn't been very long. But uh and you have these businesses that are flooding. Yeah. And you're taking years to fix it yeah i'm sure it's not isolated to warren ohio i'm sure a lot of cities operate there but you would think there would be some prioritizing of getting that fixed like tomorrow but it's 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 i've had to close business shut shut up shop to clean up floods and i've had it flood cleaned it disinfect it so it doesn't grow mold and spent the whole day and then go home at five o'clock to come home come back in the next day and it rained again that night and flooded all over again so uh it's so they should just tear it up and put a bigger pipe back in there start with that (laughs) i don't know i mean i don't i don't know that part of the answer but i mean i act like i know if it's not broke don't fix it right i'll go sleep at the holiday inn i'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs) so what what are we have uh what 10 minutes left or so um so we know the economic condition of the city 
want you to think a little bit outside of artistics. What would you do to help turn the economic condition around in Warren? If you had three ideas, what would those three ideas be? Hmm. Me as a person or if If you, I don't even want to say you were the mayor because that's, you know, there's certain limitations of what a mayor can and can't do and city council can and can't do or whatever the case may be. So if we'll just call it the magic wand. Okay. And the magic wand says you get three things to do to change the direction economically of Warren, Ohio. What would it be? Um, I think a lot of times people think of the past, how great it was here. And it was good. And then you always hear about when the steel mills left. And it seems like a lot of times a lot of people are hung up on that. I agree. And you need to forget that. I mean, uh, when the jobs left, the people left, they say, too. Um, and it, it happens. I mean, but if, you know, if I had a magic wand, you know, I would be doing my best to, you know, bringing jobs back here. Uh, there's a ton of, if, if these buildings are gone, if the properties are available, if they're, if they had to been, if they're knocked down by now, cause they're been so, you know, abandoned or whatever, but there's plenty of space, uh, you know, offer incentives to be attracting, you know, big businesses and little businesses. And, um, I, that would be literally my number one focus is economic is, development. It just bringing Bringing in business, bringing yeah, bringing them in. Go out and and hunting businesses down and offering this, that, and the other. I would, you know, do whatever I could possibly do to get more businesses to come back here. Uh, I mean, some of these steel mills are the that that were here. I mean, there's a lot of property acres of land. I mean, you could. I don't know if the grounds contaminated and you're not allowed to they have to clean they have to clean it up but unless they just pave over it basically yeah but i mean there's there's a lot of lot of property available uh there's stuff like that i mean i would really do that uh listen if they can put the steel yard commons in cleveland because there was a mill there mm-hmm. they can do it here mm-hmm. i don't i don't know what it takes i'm sure the state and federal government has to get, but but it can be done they've they've been gone since the late 70s 77 was black monday yeah so that's how long ago 43 years ago, four years ago. I was just say around 40 years. Yeah. So, I mean, we should be working on that. Like I said, make it, things happen. You can't look back on them. Right. You got to keep looking forward. And uh, I mean, I think part of the problem too is we have an older demographic and they're the ones who were blessed to work in these mills and they had a full time, a full career and they retired. And from one of the mills or from GM mm-hmm. or from Packard or any of the factories that were here. And so they have fond memories of that. But we want to, your generation and mine, we only had a glimpse of it. I mean, GM just closed up shop recently, mm-hmm. you know, after 50 years. Um, so we've only had a glimpse of that. We have to get a different message out to the kid, to the kids that, this is our history, but we are not tied to it to hold us back. It should be looked back upon to help us build. Mm-hmm. That's where, where I think that would come in um, useful. I, d- I don't really want us to forget that the mills. That's what made this area. Not you know all the factories. It gave us a personality. It did. But but you're 100 right. We we can't. If you're looking back, you're not looking forward, mm-hmm. and that's the point I think you're trying to make. Yeah, and, and I mean when. 
when that generation graduated high school, they got they had they go anywhere eight, and get a job. Eight eight jobs to pick from, from yeah. Delphi to General Motors to Copperwell to you know WCI to and all great paying jobs, all benefits, and you have you look at class of twenty twenty. And they graduate today. What, what jobs locally do they have to go after? And that's one of the things we want to address as we continue the podcast series is talking to those kids mm-hmm. and saying, hey, man, come back or stay here. I I don't remember who I was talking with about it, but I got a horrible memory, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going out, I think it was with Deshaun, go out and travel. That's cool. Yeah, good. Do it, actually. Mm-hmm. Go away for a while. Go live in California. Go live in Florida. Go live in Texas. Go away North Dakota, wherever. But bring that knowledge back. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, get that experience and bring that knowledge back. Yeah. And and set up shop and talk to people like you and and get, gain that knowledge. I, I think, I know down in Youngstown, they, you know, they have the Youngstown Business Incubator and they work with a lot of entrepreneurial programs and that type of thing. And that's good. And we need something here. But we kind of we don't have the that type of thing here. We have the energy incubators, mm-hmm. um, which is good too. But we have to reach these kids, man. Yeah, we do. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, there's nothing for the youth. I mean, I get why they leave, and I hate yeah. to see them leave. Uh, and they leave because for the obvious, but they also leave because they, you know, you just gave me a good idea. I'm going to bring some 18 to 20 somethings in here, and we're going to talk about them. There you go. Talk about it with hey, them. I'm not talk talking about them. No, we'll <laughs> sit you in here too. It's good because what you've been through, I know what you've been through the past three, four years. And it's been no fun, man. Mm-hmm. Not at all. No, it's, it's been a tough time. But I mean, uh, even to this day, like uh, I've had a lot of low moments. Um, and I, even during this, like I said, we're going to want to touch on the pandemic too much. But like, you know, when 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 they took it away, I, I started applying for jobs. You know what I mean? Got to do what you got to do, man. I had to. You know what I mean? But that was the first time in a long time when we had the fire almost applied. But then I sat down and I thought, man, can I really work for somebody again? But what's tough when you work for yourself? Once you taste back. that, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally like a drug. I mean, it's, 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 it's nice. You have your freedoms, but I work way harder now than I ever did for anybody. You know? Yeah, but it's yours. Exactly. I mean, like I said, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's done a lot for me as a person. It's, it's done a lot for me for a lot of things, but uh, yeah, it, it's tough. Even like I said, once you get into it, you might, you know, you're hooked pretty much. One, you were taught, we're, oh, I got us off track. I apologize. You're fine. I'm going to get back to some more had, ideas. Huh? I didn't have two more answers for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was it, man. <laughs> Come on now. Dig deep. <laughs> but all right. So we, you don't have two more answers, so I won't dig into it anymore. But we definitely need to work on economic development. We need to reach to the kids. And by kids, I mean 16 to 26, 27. Once you're 26, 27, you normally have things kind of, for the most part, figured out or you're into your career or whatever the case may be. But we need to reach them and we need to talk to them. And, you know, I was talking with Greg Bartholomew, the schism in the city between East Side and West Side. Dude, yeah. why? Well, we're such a small town and we're still bickering. I'm not. I, yeah. I don't care anymore. But, I mean, I do only with old timers where we can have fun. But when it's causing problems... It, it, and we lived through that. I mean, uh, I lived on the east side. And, I mean, I, I got to witness, you know, I was young. But, I mean, uh, I lived right by the high school. So, you know, we would, you know, go to the games all the time. And uh, then they started moving them to the daytime because it just got a little It rough. did get out of hand. You know what I mean? So, 
you know, I remember playing, you know, tackle football in the front yards yeah. to the crowds of the game, you know what I mean? And yeah. stuff like that. So it felt like we were actually like, you know, playing pro football or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that, the stories, uh, we, they, they started doing those throwback games and we would, you know, you know, sell some shirts to, for the throwback games. And to be honest with you, it was actually in the beginning part of it, it was, uh, I liked it a lot because, uh, you just hear people's stories and I'm a history buff. Yeah. I love I like, stories. I love stories and I talk all day with people and, uh, you know, here, here in some of the, the rivalry stories and, you know, we did this and we did that and they did this and they did that. And I mean, the egg throwing and, <laughs> at, at my, minimum, I was told too, like every store sold eggs. Yes. During the, during that, uh, during that week. I should do a show just for that. Yeah. yeah that'll so, be a good one. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've set up props where we've had egg carton boxes sitting there. Like we were selling them just to kind of, you know, play the, play the part yeah. of the throwback part of it. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, I wish it would just be, we we literally have to print around that. I don't know if you ever told you this or not, but we literally had to print around that. Uh, the school is well, Warren Harding Raiders. Yeah, I have people come in and says, I'm not buying that shirt because it says Harding. <laughs> yeah. Then I have other people Ridiculous. say, I'm not buying that shirt because it says Raiders. Yeah. So we have to literally put like Warren football or Warren you know whatever yeah it, it, it's it's it is it's silly we got to let it go yes yeah unity man that's what it has to be yeah. we got to unify so tell me what where's your address where what is the address to your building uh 179 west market so i know you're not taking uh orders or walk-ins right now correct yeah just uh, uh what phone number can they call to order 330-240-5096 and you can call or text that any other way to reach you uh, email at timdrummond at gmail.com. And you can place orders or at least get things started there. Yep. yep. Uh, my response is a little slow. I apologize. Uh, I said I'm potty training. and Man, you're just getting old. <laughs> got a, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> They've learned if they split up, they can really take a lot of advantage of me. So, And they do. You go from a man-on-man with Mallory's around to zone defense real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best example ever. <laughs> Tim, I appreciate it. I we'll appreciate try to, uh, we'll do another one one of these days. Yeah, so let's get, get an R-rated one going. Ah, not on this show. We'll <laughs> save that for someone else's. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Defend Warren.